0: Am I on, Dan? There we go. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it's a privilege for me to get to share with uh, you all this morning. I want you to know I count that as a great privilege. And um, and I don't take that lightly. Uh, you are my family. and Oh, and I have my real family here today, too. Hi. Uh, that's great, too. Um, and my family was up here this morning. Isn't he cute? He's just so cute, isn't he? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was very worshipful. That's what I meant. It was very... Uh, just the mom's heart, you know, and I just I count that as a, just a gift from the Lord, just a joy to a mom today, you know, to get to do that. So I don't want to ignore that. You're all going, that's so cool. I'm just like, I just love that. So and you just need to know that uh, Clay's 19. He's a freshman at Anderson University this year, and we're thankful for that. Uh, our other son, John, just celebrated his 17th birthday last weekend. And so uh, the greatest joy in my life is getting to be their mom. And so, uh, and getting to be Steve's wife. And so I think I want you to know that first and foremost this morning before we go uh, any further. And uh, sort of ties in with what we're talking about today, too. So that's who I am. Would you pray with me as we get started? Father, I thank you so much. Just thank you. your presence is here your goodness is here your grace is amazing and the chains have fallen off fallen off and you have set us free and we just thank you for that grace Thank you that you are the most amazing Father ever, and you love to give good gifts to us, your children. And so I ask now that that love that you have lavishly poured out on us, you would give us a double portion this morning, that we would feel your love and experience the depth of how much you love us this morning, Father. And may all be for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, we've got a lot to cover this morning, and um, we have been studying the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 5 today, which means we're almost done, because there's only 6 chapters in the whole book. So, my encouragement to you would be, see if you can read the whole thing through this week, maybe once a day. Just sit down and read the book of Ephesians. Make it take you 10-15 minutes, and you will begin to see how everything we've been studying ties together. It's this beautiful thing. There's a couple things in it that I feel like he's saying to us, especially this morning, but it represents the whole book, and that is he wants us to know who we are as his children, and then he wants us to know how we walk that out in everyday life. Sound good? And pretty simple, too, huh? So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Ephesians 5, or you can look up here on the screen, or if you're one of those auditory learners and you just want to listen as we read it, we're going to read a chunk of all together this morning so we can get the bigger picture, okay? And I'm going to cheat just a little bit before we start at 5-1, and we're going to scoot up to chapter 4, scoot back to chapter 4, verse 22, I think, uh, and read two verses that Randy read to us last week because it ties in really well with what we're going to talk to you about at 5. Does that make sense? So starting with chapter 4, verse 22, let's read together God's word and his message to you and to me today. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Everybody say, I am created created. to be like God. That is who you are. That is who you and I are this morning. And that's what God wants us to know. Go on. Now we're going to go to 5, chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Okay, stop right there. So he just told us who we are. We're created to be like who? Like God. Now he tells us to act like God. Imitate God. See? So this is who we are. Therefore, that's why we can begin to live it out. Walk it out in the everyday decisions and and choices of life. Does that make sense? And how do we do it? As dearly loved children. And we'll keep reading now. And live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. You know, if we were just thankful a little bit more, it'd take care of a whole lot of the stuff in our lives, wouldn't it? Yeah. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Everybody say empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. There he goes again. That's who you are. You and I. Light, meaning not only enlightened because of the Spirit of God in us, but light like pure and holy. That is who you are on the inside. The minute God's Spirit came in and made you holy, forgave your sin, that's your identity. Going on. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, "Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Keep in mind, in Scripture, a lot of times when it says "talks about death or being asleep," that often means "in your sin. Okay, like before we came to Christ, a lot of us were dead inside. We were sleeping. But now he's calling us to wake up out of that because Christ wants to shine on us. Wow. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your word. And wouldn't it be great if we used our words and our conversations a little bit more just to tell each other the good things that God's doing in our lives every day? Yeah. Okay. We're going to... just for a teaching moment, there are some words in here that, personally, I didn't even know what they meant, so I thought maybe I'd share it with you, what I learned this week. Uh, when it says, don't be drunk on wine, but because it leads to debauchery, that word simply means to be led astray, morally. Okay? So, to take down a path of destruction. So, if you read it like that, it'd be, do not get drunk on wine, which leads down a path of destruction. Instead, what? Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because, you know, sometimes people, like, they just want to feel better, and so that's one reason, or whatever is the reason. But guess what? There is no high, as Beth Moore says, there is no high like the most high. You know, you want, you want to get filled up? You want to have a good time? Spend some time soaking in the Lord's love. Just get into His presence and let Him fill you up. And I'm telling you, there is joy in His presence like no joy anywhere else. You know, maybe sign up for an hour in the prayer room. If you've never experienced that and just ask him for it, I challenge you, Lord, fill me up, fill me up, intoxicate me with your love. And sometimes that's just a quiet, peaceful joy that just consumes you. And sometimes you get really excited and talk fast like me. Okay, so we're going on now to verse one of chapter five, and we're going to take it apart just a little bit. He's told us that we are children of God, now imitate God. And how do we imitate Him? We live a life of love, just as He loved us and gave Himself up for us. We could spend two or three sermons on those words right there. But just, here's the deal. How did He love us? He laid down His life for us. And if we want to love Him, who is the perfect Father, trustworthy, faithful, true, then we are to love Him by loving each other and laying down our lives for each other. Maybe laying down my agenda to serve you. Laying down my comforts to come alongside. My sister's here today. She's the queen of this. She lays down her life for her boys. She lays down her life for her neighbors and makes a meal when somebody's sick. Or she writes a note of encouragement when somebody needs hope. This is imitating Jesus. I want to be more like that. I want to love the way that He loved us. And I die to myself in order to do that. That's what he calls us to do, to love one another like that. Why? Because we are dearly loved children, and therefore we can give our lives away. You see, our father is the perfect father, and therefore he is trustworthy. And anything he tells us from here on out, we can know that it is for our good and for our joy and for our best. He is the only one that will never leave us nor forsake us. And my boys are teenagers now, and they know now that parents are not always perfect. But this one is, you know, I know sometimes I think, I wonder if she really remembers about that, you know. But my God never forgets. He is the perfect father. Therefore, all his words are trustworthy and true. Let's go on. So right after he tells us to live a life of love, right, and lay down our lives for each other, then he goes into this stuff. But among you... There must not be even a hint of blah, 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 sexual immorality, impurity, greed. And he goes on down. Does it ever occur to you guys when you read Scripture that, like, okay, this is like, boom, like, why do those two things follow each other? Does it seem like you just took a turn? Okay, I was asking the Lord about it this week. Why are those two things next to each other in Scripture? And I felt like he said, because if you're doing these things, it's the opposite of a life of love. So he just calls us to live a life of love. And lay down our lives for each other, and then he says, "But if you're doing these things, it's the exact opposite. If you live in a life of impurity, or or immorality, or whatever, you know, well, I want to show my boyfriend that I love him, so I'm going to sleep with him. Well, guess what? That's not the most loving thing to do. Why? Because it's not. It's 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 taking him down on the wrong road. It's not allowing him to be created like God and to." Come into his destiny to be the most himself he can be. You see, the more we live like God, the more we live a holy and pure life because his Holy Spirit lives in us, the more true we are to ourselves. You want to be authentic? Live true to the real you that God has made on the inside. And therefore, to love one another, we encourage each other in those things. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at it um, another way. Go on to uh, the Thessalonians scripture. Paul tells us this all over scripture. That's why we're talking about it today. 1 Thessalonians 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, which simply means made holy or set apart for God. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not impassionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Do you hear it? If we're doing these things, we're taking advantage of. Because why? Because all of those other things, greed and impurity, it's all about me, 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 me. I'm getting my needs met. Even making fun of people or, coarse course, joking or whatever is, I'm going to put others down so I feel better about myself. Isn't it? It's the opposite of love, which is... I want to do what's best for you. I'm going to lay my life down and honor you and respect you. Let's go on to the next one. He tells us in Corinthians, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of us were. But here's the good news of the gospel, and that is this. We were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Because when He comes inside to live inside of us, He makes us holy. He forgives every sin, anything that we have done before. He will make us new. We become a new creation in Christ. Therefore, we get clean slates. We get to start over. He is the God of do-overs. He is the one who wants to make us holy every day. Whenever we mess up, we can be cleansed again and again and again. And it makes me want to love him even more when I say, I want to be holy for you because he's so good. Ah, He's so good to us. Okay. Go on to the next one. Skipping down to verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Stop right there. Notice that it doesn't say, walk away. Nor does it say, I would cut back. (laughs) Just take a diet mentality. I'm just going to like fast from this for a little while so that I'm, you know, better. Uh Uh-uh. He says, flee. Run for your life. Run. For your life. Why? Why is this such a big deal to God? I am so glad that you asked. Let's go on. All other sins a man commits, this is why, are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Don't you see, he cares very much about these physical bodies of ours. You are not only his precious children dearly loved. Your body is now the very home in which he has chosen to live. This is amazing. This is the greatest privilege that you and I have been given, that will ever be given. That God, the God of the universe, has chosen to live inside of me and you? What in the world? We are the houses of God on the earth. We get to carry the presence inside these bodies. Therefore, they are very precious to him. Did you ever think about why Jesus got so angry in the temple when they were buying and selling because during that time, that was the, where the presence of God lived on the earth. That was the holy temple. And Jesus came along and said, what are you doing? You're buying and you're selling greed, manipulation. You're using it for unholy things. When this is my father's house. And it says that zeal for his house consumed him. And he drove them out with a whip. Cleaning the temple. No, this is my father's house. And I want nothing to thwart his presence being here. And that is time for you and I today to say, I am a temple of the living God. And I want to clean the house today. And I want nothing that is impure left. It is time to say, I want your presence more than I want the things of this world. Because I don't want anything to squelch the spirit of the living God inside of me. Nothing to quiet his voice. Nothing to take away the joy of intimacy with him in the inside. I don't want anything to darken or to thwart his plans and purposes. I want to clean the temple today. That's who you and I are. What a privilege we have been given. What a privilege it is. You see, it it matters to God. It really does. I want to tell you a, a quick story. There were a, a group of us in this room. We got to go to a fundraiser uh, a week ago Friday for a ministry that rescues young girls out of the sex trade industry. Okay? So even if I just say those words, there's something in all of us that just sort of rises up, doesn't it? And we just sort of say, that is wrong. It's just wrong. Uh, but I want to tell you a brief story of the man who started this ministry, because it was amazing to me. Uh, his name was Frank, very much like you and me. He had a, owned a business in Akron, Ohio. And one day he heard the story of some of these girls and what was happening to them. One of the stories he just couldn't get out of his mind. Um, he, This young girl in Cambodia, if I have my facts right, um, her family became so poor they could not afford to live anymore. They did not have enough food any, any money to buy food, so the grandmother decides that the best thing for the family is to sell this young girl at the age of nine. And something inside you and me rises up and says. This man named Frank, he heard the story, and he couldn't get it out of his mind. In fact, he heard the Spirit of the Lord say to him, Remember New. Her name was New. N-H-U. Remember New. Remember. So Frank went home, but, and he couldn't forget. And you know what he did? He bought a plane ticket, and he went to Cambodia, and he searched for New. And he went to find her, and he couldn't. So he went back home. Months later, he still hears the voice of the Lord. Remember New. He goes back. Again, he goes back a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time because the voice of the Lord is telling him, remember, my daughter, whom is dearly loved. Remember new. And on the fifth time, guess what happened? He found her. And in the wonderful course of the story, which I don't have all my details straight somewhere along there, his wife and he both owned successful businesses in Akron Ohio they sell their businesses take all their money and they go and they purchase new out of darkness and into freedom is that not amazing and then they started a ministry in which New became the very first employee to help them start. Now they have 12 homes for these girls all over where they are rescuing them. Is this not the most beautiful picture you've heard of the God's redemption and what he has done for you and for me? Because the Father saw you and me caught in the slavery of sin and he told his son to go rescue my children. And Jesus came, and he went and paid the ultimate price of his own life to purchase you and me out of darkness and into his marvelous light, out of slavery, into freedom, so that you and I can be servants and children of the Most High God. Is it just not amazing what our God has done for us. It's the beautiful picture of the Father's heart. Wow. Thank you, God. Now, the hard part of the evening was when we got to hear news testimony herself. We saw a video testimony of it. And I won't give you all the details. But when she described the first night and the first week and the first weeks when she did not eat or sleep, something inside of us just broke. And do you know what she was doing during that time? See, New, at nine years old was a Christian. Her family had actually brought her up in the church to know Jesus. So new is crying out to the Lord. Lord, if you're up there, save me. Jesus, if you love me, save me. And don't you know that the minute she began to cry out, the father's heart was breaking And he did everything he could not to just like probably wipe out the entire continent because of what was stealing the innocence of his dearly loved child. Don't you think he used some massive self-control not to have his wrath poured out when one of his precious ones cries out? But you know what the father did? He goes and he whispers into the ear of a man in Akron, Ohio, and he says, go get my daughter. Go get her remember new go rescue her go do it frank you can do it so time after time after time after frustration after no success he didn't let it go and they found her is it not amazing and here is what i heard the lord say to me this week that happens over in those countries but you and i both know it's happening here and it's not just an industry it is a culture And some of us in this room have become slaves to sexual immorality and to those kinds of addictions because the enemy is out there just pulling us in and tempting us and seducing us with empty words saying, It's no big deal, but it's a really big deal to God because you are his dearly loved child. What you do with your body is a really big deal. And the voice of the Lord has been whispering in my ear this week. And he said, tell my children, there is freedom. There is a better way. There is, and isn't it maybe true that we've been trying to be so prim and proper that the church has been a little bit silent on the issue for so many years that the culture is screaming. They're very glad to step in where we have not been speaking and tell everybody else what sexism intended for and what your sexuality means and how you can have, you know, the ten top steps to being better at that, and you can know, you know, it's okay to look at these things on the internet, and by the way, if you do, you'll just be so happy and so fulfilled, and isn't it time that we, the church, stand? end up and say but god has a better plan so this is a little uncomfortable i know because i'm you know the fear and trepidation i'm sharing this with you but i believe it's the word of the lord i believe it's his heart for you and for me because we are his dearly loved children and he wants us to know the truth so the truth can set us free for purposes of definition this morning Can we just keep it simple and say that sexual immorality is any kind of sex with anyone outside the context of a man and a woman being joined together in holy matrimony in marriage? Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to mean by when we use that term, okay? Let me give you an example. This is a paper plate, and this is a paper plate. Can you go with me here? Okay. (laughs) This is a man, and this is a woman. And the intent of God, remember this is his idea, is that two, these two people come together and they are joined in holy matrimony. And then the Lord gives them this amazing gift that, by the way, it was his idea. And he says, here is sexual intimacy to bind you together in the bonds of holy matrimony. And let's use glue as the example, okay? So they glue themselves to each other. Can we say that this morning? And they are bound together so that what God has joined together, what? Let no one separate. So that they can get together through, they can make it through the thick and the thin and still stick together. It it keeps them together. You see, the glue was meant to be a permanent bond. It's meant to keep them together forever, till death do us part. This was God's original intention for this thing we call sexual intimacy. Do you see it? It's like the light bulbs come on. Wait, you mean, it's, you mean it's not like Scott's tape where I go here and I do this, and then I go over here and I do this, and then we separate. And Do you see what I'm saying? The culture has just got it all wrong. Because let me ask you, what happens when you take two paper plates that are glued together And they break up. What happens? They're torn. Lives are torn. Hearts are broken. Holes are left in our lives. Part of me is forever given to part of you. Is it not true? This is what happens. And don't you know the Father's heart is like, that's not what I created it for. I created it to give you such great pleasure and such great joy and such great intimacy. And I'm a married woman of 23 years, and I'm happy to tell you that that's true. And I know that not everybody in this room has experienced that. Some of us, it was taken from us without our consent. Some of us have been involved in divorces that we would never have planned on. That wasn't what we set out to do, was it? It's okay in here for us to say that. It wasn't what we planned, was it? Some things have just happened to us. And some of us in here are just thinking, I just wish somebody had told me this. It's okay to say that in here. We have got to come into the light as God is in the light and call things for what they are. Because only then will we be able to go to the one who has the original blueprint and find healing for the scars that have been left behind. Because guess what? Not only does he want us to know the truth for those who are heading that direction. He wants you and I to know that if we have, our lives have been torn apart, he is here to bring healing to you today. Whether by choice or not your choice, he can bring healing to those kinds of scars. Here's my new favorite book on this topic and I am highly recommending it. In fact, on the back of your bulletin today, there are lots of books we're recommending and different resources we want you to get. Because this is not an easy thing, guys. It's not an easy thing, is it? This, is, this one is called Sex is Not the Problem, Lust Is. And I love it. He says in here, Josh Harris, the author, he defines lust, just so that we uh, get the definition here, as wanting what you don't have and you were not meant to have. Lust goes beyond attraction and appreciation of beauty or even a healthy desire for sex. It makes these desires more important than God. Lust wants to go outside God's guidelines to find satisfaction. Does that make sense? That's the definition. I always tell the young people I work with, it's like, you want to go get, you know what God's prepared for you, but you want it now, so you go take it before he's given it to you. And you know what that indicates? We don't trust him. Indicates that we don't think he's really going to do what he says he's going to do. But you know what? He wants to. He is faithful. He will do what his word promises. He will give us more than we could ever ask or imagine if we would but trust him and his timing in all things, not just this one topic, in all things. This author says, I have come to believe that lust may be the defining factor for this generation. Lust may be the defining struggle for this generation. I need to wear my glasses. But isn't it true? I've seen it. Look look at this quote. If you ever expect to find victory over lust, okay, and that's available today, you must believe with your whole heart that God is against your lust, not because he is opposed to pleasure, but because he is so committed to it. Do you hear it? Who created it? God did. Did he want it to be pleasurable? Oh my goodness, you bet he did. He is committed to it. And so he is opposed to the thing that distorts it. When it talks about obscenity in here, the word obscenity actually means distorted. It takes something beautiful and it uses it like it's not supposed to be used and it distorts it. Oh my goodness. Okay, then look what he says. In his book, Future Grace, John Piper writes this. We must fight fire with fire. And I don't know about you guys, but as the church, I am just ready to stand up and not be so silent on the topic anymore. I'm ready for a fight, a holy, loving fight against this thing. Okay. The fire of lust's pleasures must be fought with the fire of God's pleasures. If we try to fight the fire of lust with prohibitions and threats alone, even the warnings of Jesus, keep in mind, Jesus is the one that said, if your eye causes you to sin, what are we to do? Pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, what does he tell us to do? cut it off. What in the world is he saying? I'll tell you what he's saying. Deal severely with your sin. Do not take it lightly. It matters to him. Do whatever it takes to come into the light and live a holy and pure life. Deal severely with it. Look at the end. Instead of dealing with it that way, We will fail if we go at it from prohibition. We must fight it with the massive promise of superior happiness. We must swallow up the little flicker of lust's pleasure in the conflagration of holy satisfaction. Do you hear what he's saying? What God has promised to us is so much better than anything this world has to offer. It's like a towering inferno compared to a little tiny flicker. And by the way, that little flicker is lying to you and it will come back to burn you. So let's stop it out, church, and let's go for the big holy fire, shall we? Because it's God's plan. It's his intent. And I know that not all of us have gotten to experience it that way, but does that mean we should stop talking about it? And in fact, shouldn't we even more want to tell each other the truth about it? There is no shame here today. No matter what your past has been, no matter some of the things that have happened to you, Shame is from the enemy, but holy awareness of the truth of God where you go, this is wrong. That's good. It's called conviction, and that's what the Holy Spirit brings to us. Why? Because you are his dearly loved child, and he wants to set us free. Wow. Wow. Okay, let me tell you one bit of good news before we close. Steve and I, my husband and I, we love getting to work with premarital couples. Okay, we we walk alongside of them for a few months and try to teach them God's word, how to prepare, you know, better for marriage or whatever. This is what we are seeing. This blows me away. There is a rising generation of young people who get it. There is a rising generation of young people who do not want even a hint of sexual immorality. There is a rising generation of young people who have experienced the love of God poured out on us and what it means to be his child. They have been soaked up in it and saturated in it, felt the joy and the freedom of worshiping God, and all they want is to be his and his alone. We have couples that come to us, and they do not even want to kiss before their wedding day. Some of you are going, are you kidding me? I'm like, Steven and I are like, really? How are you going to do that? Look at that. It's amazing, you guys. Do you know what I think? Well, here's the other thing. I, my, one of my favorite things to do in life is I work with college-age kids and high school kids. I've been doing it for over 20 years. And here's what I'm seeing. <laughs> Some of these kids, are, they want to wait to even date until they get into their upper college years, until they're ready to actually start looking for a spouse. Isn't that the original intent? We don't have to have boyfriends and girlfriends at the age of six. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Have we just been a little bit maybe deceived? Sometimes we're so anxious to be like the culture around us that we forget to stand up and say, I got something better waiting for me. And it's okay to tell our kids that. You guys, no matter where you are in this room, all of us have a part in this. I got to go to a conference in August called Jesus Culture uh, of 20-somethings and teenagers. Yes, I was the oldest one there. And so um, I loved it because we spent four days, and I'm not kidding you, 80% of the time, you know what these kids are doing? They're just worshiping Jesus. They're just basking in his presence. They're just becoming more and more aware of the reality of his love for them. They are stepping into their identity as dearly loved children, and they're just like, Father God, you are so amazing. I want to learn from these kids. That's why I hang out with them. Here's what I think. I think they're asking the right questions. And I think that you and I, maybe just me, but some of us in this room, maybe we've been asking the wrong questions. For example, so how far can I go and still be in God's will? So, uh, how much can I cheat on those and still be okay with God, you know? How how young can I date? How soon can I get into the back seat? How many beers can I have and still be legal in God's will, you know? How, How far can I push it and still sneak underneath the line of God not being mad at me? But you know what the kids today are asking? Oh, they are asking things like this. Father, How can I serve you more? What more can I give to you? Is there anything else in my life that I can get rid of to please you? Because I want you more than anything else that this world offers me. You see, they're radical for him. They just want him more than they want anything else. These are the questions that you and I in our 20s, in our 40s, in our 50s and 60s are to be asking the Lord. What else can I give you today, Father? How else can I offer my body as a living sacrifice? What about that unforgiveness? What about the the rage thing? What else can I get rid of in my life so that I can be a holy vessel and be true to who you've made me to be? We need to start asking the right questions, I think. And we can learn from a generation who is experiencing the love of God because that's the key. It's knowing that you are loved dearly. It's knowing that we are his dearly loved child, children, and whatever he asks of us, it's for our best and for our joy, for his glory, and for the better promises that await us. Because I'll tell you something, these kids are going to enter into marriages and they're going to know an intimacy that you and I have never experienced before. They're going to know a joy in being married and a commitment to one another because they don't come in with the baggage and the brokenness that you and I came into it with. Isn't it amazing? And then they're going to teach their children, and then they're going to teach their children, and the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth one day. It's an exciting time to be alive. In this culture that is saturated with sexual immorality, you and I can stand up and be the church and be holy temples of His Spirit, and we can make a difference. And we can start telling each other the truth, and we can stop being silent on it, because God is not silent on it. Oh help us lord all right for those of us in this room right now that have been feeling a little bit of the shame thing let me tell you that can go right now you can let go of it because he's just asking one thing of you and i today if we have been in a position where we have not lived this way and and the one thing is this would you come into the light as he is in the light And would you confess your sins? And would you say, I agree with you, God. This is wrong. That's all he asks of us. Because when we do that, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's all he asks of us. You see, we don't have to go around beating ourselves up and trying to pay a price for it. Because the price has already been paid. He's already done it for us. How good is he? Look at 1 John 1, 9, 1 5. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness in any of these things, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, does what? It purifies us. See, not only are we forgiven, we get made new. We get made whole again. We get made clean and pure. We get a clean slate. We get do-overs we get to start again. So today, no matter your age or your stage or where you've been, today can be the day where you get cleansed and you get freed and you walk out of here a new person. It's, 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 it's his business. That's what he does. Look at the last part. If we claim to be without sin, this is key, you guys. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Some of us in here are just tired of lying to ourselves. Aren't we? We just want to come clean. But if we confess our sins, that's it. That's all he's asking you and I to do. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from what? All. Everybody say all all unrighteousness he will make us holy and pure again this is his will and all he asks of you and me is to step today into the light to step into and does that mean expose the fruitless deeds of darkness which means this if there's anything in your life that you're hiding that's your first indicator well these text messages i'm getting i just i erase those as soon as i get those or, or that computer screen. I only go at certain times of the day because I don't really want anybody else to know what I'm looking. If you're hiding something, it's an indicator that it's in the darkness. And God wants you to bring it into the light. And agree with him that it is sin. Anything outside a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Right? What else? I'm not going to tell my spouse about this part of my life. It's hidden. He doesn't want us to have to hide anymore. Because what happened? See, that started in the garden with Adam, didn't it? That was the first repercussion of sin. Adam went and hid because he knew he was in trouble. And then what do you do? Then you carry shame around with you. You're isolated. You don't have fellowship with God. It's the worst place to be. Church, you can be free. We can be free today. Come into the light. Admit that it's sin. And let him purify us from all unrighteousness. And when you do that, you will not find condemnation. The the Bible says that his face will shine on you. And when the face of Jesus shines on you, it is love. It is healing. It is acceptance. It is Jesus saying, you are my beloved child. You, no matter what you have done and where you have been, you are my dearly loved child. So we can have confidence to approach the throne of grace and receive help and healing no matter what. Would you stand with me as we prepare for communion? Uh, communion service you can come forward as we prepare our hearts do you know that the bible actually says to examine yourselves before you come to communion every week so this is not a once in a lifetime thing guys this is not a a one-time idea this this is to be a lifestyle of repentance that you and i live every day and every time we sense that there's some kind of darkness we bring it back into the light and we say cleanse me again because that cleansing flow continues to purify us doesn't it it's a lifestyle of walking this out every day So as we come, would you take a few minutes to examine yourselves? And would you have the confidence and the courage to step into the light this morning and to say, Father, in fact, I'll start us and then you can end. Father, we want to know what you see. We want to agree with you because we trust that you are our loving father who wants to set us free. We trust that what you have for us is better than what this world has been offering us. We right now step into the light and we ask you, Holy Spirit, shine your light of love and, and freedom onto us so that we can see clearly. And we will bring it to you and ask you to cleanse it and forgive it. Now just continue in that state of prayer. There is wine on the outside stations and grape juice on the inside. Come and realize that what we are doing is taking the, the broken body of Jesus who took the payment for our sins. And then his blood was shed to cleanse us of our sins. And come with thankful hearts when you come. Jesus paid it all. No matter what story in your life. We're all in the same boat. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he has washed us white as snow. And we give you praise, Jesus. I ask for complete healing today in places that are broken. Father, we ask for the truth of your word to go forth and heal us. We just command all shame to go in Jesus' name. We ask for the voice of the accuser to be silenced right now in Jesus' name. We ask that chains of addiction would be broken right now in Jesus' name. I ask that old desires would be broken and new desires for holiness and the love of Jesus would be poured out and instilled, infused in us right now in Jesus' name. We just speak life to those places that have been dead and freedom, to those places that have been bound we thank you jesus that you paid it all and we give you all the praise amen do not leave this place without uh following through with what god is doing in you right now there are going to be a lot of people up here available to pray with you when we confess our sins one to another the bible says then we can be healed and you will be met with love and grace and acceptance and excitement and joy okay it's a safe place here we are to love one another this way and when you come uh Uh, There will be people up here, but you also can, remember, go on the back of that bulletin and see the different resources. You know, talk to your friends. Get accountability. We can do this thing. Not because we're strong, but because he is. Love you guys. Bless you. And Randy has something to say. OK, somebody in here this morning felt the Lord saying to them that there is healing today, especially for chest and back pain, chest pain or back pain. And if that is you, the Lord is saying he wants to heal that today. And so there's going to be a group of people over here that will pray specifically for chest pain or back pain. And you can come up. For this is an exciting place to be today, isn't it? Bless you guys. Have a great day.